just when you thought Ohio State training camp couldn't get any more intriguing, the search for a new athletic director is officially on. Gene Smith announced he is retiring effective June 30th, 2024. Just as Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA, some West Coast flair comes into the league, the leading voice in this entire conference is exiting the league. Earth-shattering yep. college football news, groundbreaking college athletics news, and just huge development for Ohio State as an athletic department and as a university, to be honest, as the front porch of the university being this building and Gene Smith's office in, in particular. The 40-year vet, Tim May, has seen it all. He's here to break it down as we dive into that. And, by the way, Ohio State just had its first day in pads today. Andy Backstrom's here to break it down. We've got a jam-packed show here, fellas. We're not going to waste any more time. Tim, um, first from Gene Smith, just reaction to the news that it, it did – send some immediate shockwaves around the country of, oh, yeah. wow, this is actually happening. He couldn't do this forever, but he also doesn't have to step down in 2024. Here we are. Ohio State will have a new athletic director. Yeah, and there was a sense uh, uh, back in uh, 2018 that maybe he was going to go one more year until all this stuff started coming down, obviously with what happened with him and Urban Meyer at the end of August of that year uh, because of the, the Zach Smith situation. Uh, and. Uh, and that actually cost uh, Gene Smith some money. Uh, but, but then on top of that, he felt responsible for shepherding uh, Ryan Day into his uh, new role as, as the full-time uh, Ohio State head football coach. My point is, I think Gene had been planning this for a while, but then things kept uh, moving. Uh, with that said, I think he has only, he has grown precipitously in terms of influence nationally, much less in the Big Ten since that moment since then or because of what has happened the last five years and uh you know i was just thinking as you were talking there i would say the two biggest names in in athletic administration in the country at the moment are greg sankey the sec commissioner southeastern conference commissioner and gene smith because gene smith sort of like behind the scenes uh, sort of directed the Big Ten over the last several years in some of its major moves and stuff, and also nationally uh, some of the major moves that have been done. So this is a this is a major moment. This is a big loss uh, for Ohio State from the standpoint of uh, June the 30th, 2024, moving forward. Those are big shoes to fill. Obviously, there are some people who will be lining up or are already lined up in my mind uh, around the corner to have a, take, get a shot at this job, but it. In my opinion, from an athletic director standpoint, it is the premier job in America. Andy, I don't want to call you an outsider. I don't want people to think you're an outsider. But here's the deal. Like, Tim has been around this program for 40 years. I grew up an hour from here. When Gene Smith speaks, since I've been eight years old when Gene Smith speaks, I kind of pay attention to it because that's the guy, the figurehead. You just got into the Ohio State sphere in the last year, but you have a unique perspective of, compared to Tim and I even from somebody who's not, wasn't around this program, I think it's safe to say when Gene Smith speaks, college football and college athletics listens. Is that, is that fair to say? Absolutely, it's fair because everything that he has done, every committee he has been on, people have been listening, not only within the Big Ten, but the college football playoff and just everything that goes on with the NCAA. He has had a voice in every single room he has been in. And even when I was covering the ACC, when Gene Smith spoke, I mean, all his tree of people he has helped along in this industry. You know, when I was covering Boston College, Martin Jarman was right under his wing here yeah. at Ohio State. And Martin Jarman became the first black athletic director at Boston College. 
and there was a lot of talk from Martin about Gene and his impact on him. And Martin's just one of many. Now the at Gene UCLA. Is, well, yeah. right, and one of many that has had an impact on Gene, and Gene's had an impact on him, and vice versa. And I think that that just says a lot about who Gene is as a person and as a leader, not only helping people, like student athletes, but also leaders within the industry. Yeah. So, and you you heard me give him that list. You know, Pat Chun, uh, Washington uh, State, Asian American at Washington State, uh, athletic director Diana Sabo, the new athletic director at Utah State, uh, Martin Germain, the athletic director at uh, at UCLA, uh, Heather Like, the athletic director at Pitt. I mean, those those are some of the those are four names that definitely I think will figure prominently in the search for a new athletic director here because as Gene went on in his press conference and alluded to, he thinks it is important that you have some kind of background in how this place works. The Ohio State University, how uh, the machinery is involved, the fact that you're running 36 sports, not 12 or 22 or whatever some of these other schools, it's it's a major job. So, you know, when they look for the successor with that, I would think they would start, you know, the first guy on the list I would look at would be Pat Chun at Washington State and everything he's been through in his career, including his uh, rising into the, uh, the career here at Ohio State because, uh, this is a complex job, and I think Gene has done it well, but he's also, what stood out about him is, is the, the input he's taken from everybody who's worked with him, the way he's elevated people, you know, not just racially, but also uh, gender-wise. I mean, he's, he's brought a lot of uh, females uh, up in this, in, in, this, in, in this administration and up in this industry, and uh, I think he's to be applauded for a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, but he's not a figurehead. A figurehead is just somebody who, you know, like a puppet, he he is the guy. He is. So, some personal experience with Gene. You know, we're at Big Ten Media Days last couple weeks ago. I said, Gene, can I get you for a minute? He comes and puts his arm around me. He says, anytime. That's the kind of guy Gene is. He will wheel and deal through a room as if he is a politician running for office. He will kiss the babies. He will fundraise. Yeah. He will campaign. But he will also get down to business when it yeah. needs to be done. That's what this place demands. It yeah. doesn't ask it. It demands it. And so. The next person who runs this thing has to know that. And that's why, even more than Pat Chun, who has done a good job at Washington State, I think Martin Jarman goes to the top of the list. We're not here to make a list just yet. We're going to have that at lettermanrow.com, just a preliminary list here, here later today, courtesy of Andy. But guys, I'm just going to run through a few of these things. First black athletic director at Ohio State. Um, hired Urban Meyer. Led Ohio State through the 2011 scandal when a lot of people thought he was going to lose his job but led Ohio State to the other side of that with a national championship just three years later, which is completely unprecedented in college athletics to go from where they were in 2011 to a title in 2015. Uh, hired Ryan Day and had the foresight of, hey, this quarterback coach is going to be the head coach at Ohio State and do a damn good job with it. Um, he oversaw the athletic department during the Thad Mata era. Didn't hire Thad, but was, was there for the, the full run of Thad Mata, the most successful run in program history in college basketball. I don't want to be long-winded, but the women's ice hockey program is a national power now, just won a national title a couple years ago. The men's tennis program, the men's volleyball program, there's a brand new freaking lacrosse stadium. Who, who plays lacrosse in Columbus? It's popular now. Gene knew that they needed an, an athletic facility for it. Yeah. There's a volleyball arena. There's it also hosts women's basketball and wrestling. Um, the shot has under, undergone some renovations. The Shoemaker Complex is big. They redid the Woody. The, the Ty Tucker Tennis Center. The Ty Tucker Tennis Temple, that I like to call it, yeah. just to get all the teams. Yeah. Everything you see in, at this athletic department, Gene Smith has had a major impact on. This is like a, I don't want to get too hyperbolic here because probably a little bit in the moment, but like this is a guy who you built a statue for. 
Like, he has touched every piece of this athletic department. He's meant a ton to this program. So it's not just replacing the athletic director. First of all, you got to find a president, which is yeah. another story unto it's itself. It's an interesting time in, in Ohio State history. We're right not now. even going to talk about the presidential search because I'm not doing that. I'm not even. I'm not even sure one's going on, but go ahead. I'm not even dipping my hand into that jar. But you got to find a president. Then you have to replace that. Gene Smith is an institution here. He's not just a a person. He's an institution. And so... Has he made some right moves? Yes. Has he made some wrong moves in his mind? Yeah. You can't go back and fix what what has happened. But the point is he's always been pushing forward. That's what he talks about all the time. Always pushing forward, looking for what's coming around the corner and stuff. And we're in the, you know, we're in the craziest time ever, ever in college athletics, as you well know. And... uh, uh, this is going to be a special person, whoever, who, whomever they do hire. But you, you got to figure that person is going to have to have had some experience, some major experience in dealing with what we're just talking about. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not a job that you can take lightly at all. It's not a job you can cash a check with. No, it's not you a have nine to be, to five. you have to be, the voice. I mean, Gene was just on a, on a, you know, a couple Mondays ago over at the NCAA offices. Uh, you know, transformational NIL committee or whatever the hell the NCAA calls these things now. Like, Gene's on it. The first ever college football playoff committee. Gene Smith's on it. The NCAA basketball selection committee. Gene Smith's been on it. You know, Greg Sankey and Julie Cromer doing the transformational committee. They had the input from who? Gene Smith. Uh, Every time college athletics needs needs a voice, they usually call two people. They're completely different backgrounds. Condoleezza Rice and Gene Smith. And they just, that's just what it is. And now Gene Smith won't be a part of that, Andy. Yeah, I think it's important to mention, though, that you actually asked this question, Spencer, in the press conference, that the why now? And he said, I want to make it clear, this is not because of the landscape right now. Right. We, everything we just talked about in college athletics. He said, you know, my mentors always told me, you'll know when it's time. Yeah. And this is time for Gene Smith. And, you know, he said he's seen some of what's going on right now before. He's been in realignment before when the Big 8 went to the Big 12 and he was at Iowa State. Yeah. He's been through the transfer portal. He mentioned that you know everyone talks about the transfer portal now with football and basketball, but it's been going on with Olympic sports for years, and he's dealt with that. So NIL is new, and there's other wrinkles here that are new for him, and he acknowledged that. But he said that that's not why he's stepping down. It's not because the Big Ten's going to 18 teams. He actually thinks it's a good thing. He was uh, you know very complimentary of Oregon and Washington talking about realignment. But, you know, this is something that he just felt like the time was now and he felt like he wanted to give this program over when it was a smooth transition. And I think he wanted to be there for Ryan Day as the start of his tenure. And now he wants to find someone who can align with Ryan Day. Yeah, and here, here's, what's, here's what's important. And this is what, this is what the major college uh, uh, landscape is losing when, in fact, he does finally step down. Because, like he said, he's going to – he wants to go cold turkey. You know, the next thing he wants to be – uh, on July the 1st, possibly, is on vacation in, in Colorado with his extensive, his extensive family. But uh, this is a guy who has an appreciation for what, it, what college athletics was and should still be to a certain extent, all about the, all about the student athlete experience and stuff. Because, you know, he started East, Eastern Michigan was his first job, and then Iowa State, then Arizona State, and then finally Ohio. So he's been all the way up through the ranks here. He has an appreciation for what goes on in the Mid-American Conference, uh, what goes on in a program that's striving to, to rise, you know, in, in Iowa State and then Arizona State, uh, that whole deal. So, you know, that, that, that's the kind of voice and that's the kind of like experience that uh, is hard to replace anymore with people kind of going from zero to hero 
in a lot of these kind of situations and or for their expertise in you know television or whatever you got to have a to, to run a program like Gene Smith is you got to have a wide-ranging expertise and I think he's going to be very difficult to replace but some of the guys we've already named have that yeah and I to close this because by the way Ryan Day spoke today so to close this Gene Smith thing we we'll didn't name a starting quarterback we'll so. have full coverage at lettermanero.com of, of the Gene Smith retirement from now until June I mean it's going to be a, a heavy topic throughout this entire football season basketball season spring practice it's a, almost a little bit of a cloud hanging over everything like Gene Smith is going to be stepping down but like this feels to me like the the end of the changing of the guard like Mike Slive retired from the SEC, uh, you know, in the in the last 10, 15 years. Uh, Jim Delaney retired from the Big Ten. You look at around the country. Uh, Jack Swarbrick is stepping down at Notre Dame. Gary Barta, a powerful player in college athletics, stepping down at Iowa. Gene Smith now at Ohio State. Uh, you, you know, uh, different people. You know, USC's been a mess, but they they used to have some continuity yeah, they, there. You could, yeah, you could you could uh, run out of breath naming all those guys. But like the the athletic departments. That, that have a say in what goes on and the entities that have a say, you know, it, it's very interesting. You know, even Mark Emmert stepping down at play. this feels like a, a new moment for college athletics. Yeah, a all kinds of ways. Oh, of course, Ohio State will miss Gene Smith. There will also be, though, some fresh perspective from somebody who will almost undoubtedly be younger, have a new voice in this program, have a different say, I'm sure. I know it's easy to be aligned when Ryan Day's winning 45 games and losing six, but <clears throat> alignment's going to be a big thing we're going to talk about, and that's why I'm kind of going to table this discussion. We're going to talk more about it at lettermanrow.com. Uh, Tim, obviously, will have great perspective. Andy and I, a little bit different perspective. But, fellas, Ryan Day <laughs> spoke today, and a lot of offensive line chatter, a lot of secondary chatter, and some not so much chatter on the quarterbacks, Tim. I'm, 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 I'm I'm curious about what I heard from Ryan Day today. Me too. And, uh, uh, from the standpoint of the offensive, I knew they were going to mix and match on that offensive line. He told us that before the season, before preseason camp even started. It makes sense to move Josh Fryer to flip him from left tackle to right tackle, see how it goes. You know, uh, Josh called me Jimmy Simmons. Uh, clearly, he made a point that this guy has come on. He's brought he's brought the goods with him. But I thought one of the more startling may not be the right term. But one of the more surprising elements when he started talking about the offensive line was the rise of Vic, Vic Cutler Yes. Uh, as in a competition with Carson Hensman for the starting job at center because we all thought Jacob James would be, it'd be Carson Hensman, Jacob James with Vic Cutler still trying to get his feet under himself after moving up here from Louisiana Monroe, right? And it looks like uh, Vic Cutler may be one of those surprise names coming out of this preseason camp to keep your eye on, but I still, just the way it was delivered, you still think Carson Hensman's going to probably be the starting center. But but the offensive line, I would think after Saturday, <clears throat> the middle of the week, and matter of fact, Ryan Day even said it, they're going to come up with some hard and fast answers of where we, who we want where. Yeah. You know, and uh, whether or not that means that uh, uh, you, you're going to have a freshman possibly starting at left tackle in Luke Montgomery. I mean, obviously, he's – caught everybody's eye. He's not a freshman anymore, as Ryan Day has said a few times. He's eight, eight nine months into his college career. Um, all these things are, it's really interesting to finally, we, he took the hood up and, and he told us what we were looking at under the hood there. You yeah. know, and uh, I, I just think it's, this scrimmage coming up Saturday, man, uh, is going to be huge, I think, for a lot of guys. Yeah, it's interesting we get to watch the Friday practice and, of course, not the scrimmage, too. Well, of course not, because, you know, <laughs> here's the thing. Think about it. Like, we were sitting there. There were three, 500 people here mm -hmm. at that open practice the other day. Uh, 
you don't know who those people are. I mean, you know, I yeah, understand oh, yeah. why. Oh, yeah, even I, get it. I would love to watch every minute of every practice I used to get to, except for scrimmages occasionally, way back when. You don't know who's sitting out there. No, I, I'm not complaining about and it. And everybody's all. got a camera, and they're all but, trying to use it. That's how Ed Terwilliger got run over. You know, a longtime program assistant here got run over and basically had a couple, suffered a couple of cracked ribs uh, during that open practice because he was trying to tell a guy in the stands to put your camera down. We told everybody don't put. And all of a sudden, who was it that ran over? I can't remember. Was it uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. or somebody yeah. on a play? So the point is, I understand why they close it. I don't I didn't mean to get off on that tangent, but it's. Saturday is huge for a lot of guys, man. Yeah, it's interesting. I'll hold myself accountable real quick, and then I'll throw it over to Andy. He's been he's champion. It's a bit to talk. I know. Uh, <laughs> but I wrote on Thursday after the first practice, I thought this was a two-man center battle. I'm going to hold myself accountable. I said it was Carson Hensman and Jacob James, and guys, I'm wrong. I've been wrong before. Yeah, I'll, I'll be wrong again. It looks like a two-man center battle between Jacob James and Carson Hensman. Now it's between Victor Cutler and Carson Hensman. Ryan Day all but eliminated Jacob James. And that's no slight to Jacob from our part. No. Like, I like Jacob James. But, like, if Ryan Day tells you it's a duck and it's quacking like a duck, it's probably a duck. So, like, we're telling you what the head coach said, not necessarily what we think. Yeah, Andy, big takeaways. Well, I mean, go back to the center competition there. It's also because it's a credit to Vic Cutler for putting in the time and yes. working on his body and getting to where he is now. Just because something's in the spring doesn't mean it's going to be in the summer. We see that at the tackle position. Zen Mahalski was talked about all spring taking first team reps at that tackle spot at the right side. Now he's not really in the conversation as much. We talked no. about it and the yet other. And there he was when he first went out on the field on uh, yeah. a week ago. There right. he was at right tackle with the number one group. Well, things change fast, and yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of rotating going on in day one, and that's why yeah. our observations on August 11th will probably be more informed because we'll see what's actually going on in camp. But the secondary was also talked about a lot today. It's been talked about throughout the offseason a lot. Cornerbacks, again, was a, a focus today for Ryan Day. He mentioned how Jordan Hancock being back has really helped this group. He mentioned the depth that's provided by Davison Igbenosan. And really just, they're, they're really excited about this group getting hands on balls. And again, that goes back to, well, is that bad quarterback play or is that good defensive back play? Yeah. But it seems like they are really encouraged by what's going on in the back end right now. Yeah, and the interesting thing, you know, he gave no more clarity on the quarterback battle, in my opinion. Because he said one day, you know, one play or one day, one guy's doing something. The next day of the play, the next guy's doing something. We're talking about Devin Brown and Kyle McCord. Not necessarily in that order. Uh, but you got to figure, he's feeling in his mind, there's a clock ticking in his brain. Yes. we got to get something figured out here in the next uh, in the next week and a half. Well, that's the reason I asked him that throwaway question at the end uh, about do you have in your mind you'll, you'll know who your starting quarterback is a week from today, which is Wednesday of next week. And, you know, he pondered it. And, he, of course, he didn't give him – and good for him not to back himself into a corner that I've got to have this done now or Tim May's going to, you know, hold me accountable or anybody else is going to hold him accountable. But I think that quarterback battle might be closer than a lot of people think. And uh, that's huge, man, in, in, in this camp. And But once he makes up his mind, I think he's going to stick with it. The clock is officially ticking on that quarterback battle, Tim. There's no other way to say it because – September 2nd is right around the corner. Not only is September 2nd right around the corner, but he himself has talked about needing game right. week – to be with that first stream quarterback. Of he has now 10 days from when he named CJ Stroud the starting quarterback. Yeah. He has nine days from when he named Justin Fields the starting quarterback. That is a very set timeline that he has shown time and time again. Yeah. That's when he names his starter. So next Wednesday, maybe not. But if he doesn't have a decision made by next Friday or next Saturday, hey, it, it's go time. Like you, you gotta get one yeah. because these guys not only are fighting for reps physically, 
they're they're not fighting for the locker room. They're both leaders in the locker room, I think. And I think I'm confident in saying that, the way they handle themselves. They are fighting for that leadership role. Yeah. You have to be the guy if you're going to be the Ohio. We talked about with Gene Smith. you got to be the guy if you're the, the athletic right. director of Ohio State. Same goes with the quarterback spot. You've got to be a guy. You can't just be a player. You've got to be a a leader. And so I think the next 10 days, yeah. this quarterback battle has to wrap up. It, it, it's not just a will it. It's a this needs to be done. Yeah, I hate it when I when I have something really important to say, and I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I keep going, yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen, once again. Uh, here's the thing, though. I think what we might hear out of his mind, out of his mouth is our starter for the first game is going to be this guy for the first game because it's a conference game at Indiana. you got to get, like you said, you got the ones have got to practice with the ones, right? Uh, I'm not sure this quarterback battle will necessarily be settled at that point. I think it'll be settled on – we feel most comfortable with this guy starting this first game. But then you got Youngstown State and Western Kentucky before you play at Notre Dame. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he words it. You understand what I'm saying? If it's, if it's this close right now. But you finally got to decide, hey, this guy, just like he said about the offensive line, there are going to be things that are going to be settled pretty much coming out of Saturday, it sounds like. All right, this is the group we're going to go with because everybody needs to know. Yes. You're this guy. You know, you're playing this role for us. And uh, – so I'm going to be curious to see if the quarterback battle is totally – because we've seen quarterback battles go into the year. J.T. Barrett and Cardell Jones back in 2015, a great example uh, that they, it can carry over, that the guy you name as a starter might falter, and you've got this other guy who you think is just as competent, if not even maybe better. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles it. Well, that's why this week is so important. That's what Brian Day emphasized is that we can still find out a lot in this week. Maybe not us as, as much as they can because they see more of it than we do, but – I think they're going to get some answers, and if they don't, then yeah, I think Tim is right, and I think that that's kind of the sense we're getting. This could bleed into the season. And, and what is the reason? Is what have been, we've been talking about all along. Now they're starting to practice real football with pads on and guys coming after you. Obviously, the quarterbacks will be protected right up until game time against Indiana, but this is when you really find out who steps up and who steps back. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm not convinced that it could be settled for the full season starter by the end of camp because – Brian Day wants to see it in action, a yeah. real game. And there's a difference between a scrimmage and a game. And if he makes the decision for week one and things don't go so well in that game, that's more data and the eyeball and you test. you haven't put your feet in concrete yet. Yeah, exactly. so I think that it's, it's very realistic. And I think it's also something to be said about him not shutting down the two quarterback option at Big Ten Media Days. I think if that was not in his head, he could have easily said, no, we're not doing that. Uh, we've seen in other programs, we're going to find one guy. We want him to emerge. They want a guy to emerge, yeah. but if they don't, that's I mean, not off the, if, out of the question. If one of these guys had just stumbled and keeps stumbling, you know, the first week and a half of camp, then it becomes obvious to you and your team and everybody else. And that could still happen. Is. That hasn't happened. Could still happen. Conversely, just, just food for thought, if he names a week one starter and Indiana is as bad as a lot of us think we are and the Youngstown State game is as bloodbathy as a lot of us think it is and Western Kentucky's defense is still as bad as everyone expects it to be, there may not be a chance to see what both of these guys truly have because the one guy is, that is named the starter in week one is going to look so good in those first three weeks, you really won't learn anything until September but, 23rd. But as Andy pointed out, though, you'll be going against live competition. Yes. It was game planned against you, and they're going to be coming after you, a first-year starting quarterback, an offensive line that's got three new starters on it. Uh, you know, it, it, it does give you much, much more of a feel what you've got than, than a scrimmage over here where you're still not hitting a quarterback. Yes. 
I just think these first three defenses are really bad. So well, it, yeah, it's going to be an interesting way to to navigate through this because you just you you, you still might not know. Michigan schedule bad? No. Oh gosh, no. We, we, that trash can plays Michigan first four weeks of the year, Tim. Number 51 over there on that trash can. 40-year <laughs> vet, Tim May. Andy Backstrom, Spencer Holbrook, breaking it all down at lettermanrow.com. Uh, guys, I'm exhausted. Oh, wait a minute. Let me, let me throw one other thing in there. Did y'all see me look around at y'all when he said Evan Pryor flashed? I did not, but did I – Did you see me look around looking for you guys in the room there? My yeah. favorite thing Ryan Day always says is you can flash any day. you got to do it consistently. Well, yes. Then you become a strobe. Tim May, 40-year vet. Andy Backstrom, I'm Spencer Holbrook. Guys – Seriously, I'm exhausted, and it's only it's not even one o'clock yet. We got full coverage coming at lettermanrow.com of the Gene Smith retirement announcement, June 30th, 2024. Mark your calendars. That's when the Buckeyes turn a new leaf in the athletics department. Uh, September 2nd, you might as well mark your calendars for that bad boy too. Ohio State opens at Indiana at 3:30 on CBS. Letterman Row will be there. Up until then, though, we'll be here in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center covering training camp all month long, where we cover the Buckeyes all year long. Letterman Row. Com. For the 40-year vet, Tim May, for Andy Backstrom, Spencer Holbrook here signing off. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back in this building tomorrow for another breakdown of the Buckeyes.